take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. And now... Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000. Now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. So, Chad, here we are, week two of October, our spooktacular series that we're doing here. Let me ask you, Nothing But Trouble, the movie we're doing this week with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy and Chevy Chase and Demi Moore. Nothing But Trouble. Is this the worst movie we've ever covered on this show? Go! And (laughs) and number two, is this the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh, Go. wow. I it was I was not expecting that to be the leadoff question in the slightest. Uh, is I See, that's where I'm not sure. Well, first off, what the hell, man? I thought we were supposed to be getting spookier as it went on, okay? Yeah, so did I. After Batman, we went from Batman to nothing but trouble, and I had no idea whether I was watching a horror film or a comedy. And no kidding, everybody for... Season after season has heard me complain about how my wife doesn't like watching movies. My wife is in the other room, hears dialogue from this movie, and I hear, huh. And I'm like, what? what? What's up? And she goes, this might be something I want to watch. And she sat down next to me and watched almost the whole film. What? And loved it. Loved You're it. <laughs> she you loved me? it. She loved oh this movie. God. I'm not going to answer it because I, I, there's more to unpack here what? because I- Yes. I realized that what we were watching was actually not a horror film. We were actually watching a horror comedy type of thing. And so it was, it was a, it's a genre that I only Dan Aykroyd could do. And this was his writing and directing debut or not his writing, but his directing debut. And he also wrote Mm -hmm. the film. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it was hard to watch. So I'm going to say it was a hard film to watch. Let me just stop you right there. Please. It was so hard to watch. I almost called you in the first 20, 30 minutes and being like, dude, we got to do something else. Like, we cannot do this movie. (laughs) I'm not sure I can get through this movie. We can't do it. So, well, I mean, that's the thing. And here's why. I, I swear the movie isn't as bad as you're thinking. The movie is hard to process. Now- there are very dumb things in there, like the the, oh, the, the Goody brothers thinking. and all this and that and that. But there was some really comedic moments, and then there was some <sighs> horribly, horribly cringe worthy moments that I just I really do wonder what Chevy Chase and Demi Moore think about this film. I know people have their issues with Chevy Chase, uh, but when it comes to him as an actor, I 
I mean, I'm gonna watch Christmas Vacation every single Christmas. You know, yes, I, I, one of the funniest movies ever the, made. Yeah, so he's a, he's an amazing actor. Watching him in this setting, him oh. he alone made me chuckle a ton. No, you're gotta be kidding me! He was terrible in this movie. He was so checked out. He was phoning it in. He w- he did not want to be there. He was clearly just doing this as a favor to Dan Aykroyd. He knew how bad it was as he was shooting it. That very much came across in the performance. Okay, and, well, let's and Chevy just, okay. Chase was just garbage in this movie. Okay, let's and it almost ended his career. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes, one star. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, What's the percentage on the tomo- tomatoometer? 13%. <laughs> but Ooh, that seems high. Here's the thing. It's only out of 24 votes. If you go to if you go to IMDb, there are almost twenty five thousand votes, and it's a five out of ten, according <sighs> to the general public. So, I think the general public may have liked it a little bit more. I'm not. I mean, I'm not even going to bother to look nope. at critics. No, nope, but I mean, it's nope. not even worth it because <laughs> it would just get. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a it's a weird movie, and it's listed as a comedy. So I think maybe I think our problem is we should have done more research into our spooktacular series. No, I we knew it was going to be a comedy. It was, was going to be a horror comedy. No, this is what Dan Aykroyd does. He did Ghostbusters. He did horror comedy. Yeah. You made the argument on multiple episodes that Ghostbusters could be a horror film in your mind. It could be classified in the horror section but of Ghostbusters is a lot more of a horror film than nothing but trouble nothing but trouble is literally like straight comedy like you know spoof of horror movies it's, I mean that's okay I, I want to take exception to that I, I don't think it was sending up the genre at all it wasn't setting up the genre it wasn't sending it up the way that you know scary movie does it doesn't it didn't it take take blazing saddles and N- the naked gun were two movies that sent up other genres, the cop genre and the and the western genre. This was this was straight. This was not self-referential and like making fun of of conventions. This is just the thing it was that happened to have comedy in it. And I agree, it, it is more on the comedy side of things. But dude, it's a judge it's a judge putting people in meat grinders and mass and then eating their flesh. So from that standpoint, it is a lot darker than Ghostbusters. I mean, online there are a lot of people that are defending. They're like, "Is well, it a, is it a bad movie?" They're like, "It's not the best." <laughs> Nobody can come out and say that. But I'm telling you, I think this film has more of a cult classic kind of following. This is the kind of thing where I think some people are going to listen to us. They're going to listen to you specifically, Adam. And go, what is he talking about? What do you mean? Mm, mm. This, this movie's great. Then there's going to be other people that are like you that are going to go, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I don't know how I got through it. And I mean, the Dan Aykroyd, you know, um, you know, those weird brothers that live outside and the, the weird yes. bodies and stuff. Oh, I hated it. Hor- horrible part of the movie. I mean, horrible, oh, God, horrible, horrible. Part hated of the every, movie. every part of that. Yes. But the but. concept is interesting. And I mean, the budget, here's what's crazy. The budget for this thing was $40 million. They spent $40 million and yes. And an extra five on top of that, 45 million. It had a bigger budget than Batman, just to be clear. Bigger budget than Tim Burton's Batman a couple years earlier. 
One thing I want to mention that you said, I think the general publish, public rates this a little bit better than the average movie or, or, or critics or whatever. I, I disagree. I think film nerds, like us, film nerds appreciate this movie for the technical achievements. It, because, because so many legendary minds went into this. The people behind Freddy Krueger did this. The people behind... So, I mean, just name after name of, of Hellraiser, of Halloween, uh, all of these great minds behind all the wonderful horror put their efforts into this. And the makeup was great. The character design was great. All the gadgets, there was actually they actually got a bunch of the crap in his house from a guy in Nebraska that never <laughs> threw anything away in his entire life. <laughs> And they brought semi-trucks back from Nebraska full of crap to do set deck and set design for for this stuff. So it's a visual feast. All the toys he's got, the trains, the contraptions, all the sound effects that it makes, the buttons, the slides, the roller coaster. They actually spent $50,000 on a roller coaster for that. And and, and so they, from a film nerd, from a technical like horror film genre person standpoint, it's got a lot of stuff to appreciate visually speaking but from a character thematic script standpoint piece of crap i mean this <laughs> this is such a piece of garbage and i knew nothing about it the reason we did this was because of digital underground if, if yes if digital underground is not in this film we there's no chance in hell we would it even be on our radar let alone a movie that we would review for this. So we will get into the DU stuff, but it is such an epic failure as a film that it cost $45 million and made eight and ended three people's careers. Chevy chase. This was his last thing, last starring role. The only other thing that he did of any sort of consequence that had any success. And it wasn't that much success was Christmas uh, was a family vacation, Las Vegas, Vegas vacation, which was like 95, 96. Wait, is that really? Dan Aykroyd never directed again and never really acted much again, except in bit parts. John Candy only had one other movie of any consequence. I know he died a couple years after this, so that's kind of an asterisk on that's, it. Yeah, that's an asterisk. But he, he did cool runnings, but that was like more of a, like a, like a family movie than a comedy. And, and had all those, you know, big Disney movie, had a bunch of themes to it. It basically ended everybody's career except for Demi Moore. Demi Moore was still on her way up. She was just coming off of Ghost. She was just about to do A Few Good Men. And in between, she did this absolute piece of garbage. And I will give her credit. Unlike Chevy Chase, she brought it. I mean, she still tried. Dan Aykroyd very much tried. He knew he had to carry this movie, and this movie was for him and his baby. And that character he developed, the judge, was was so twisted and dark and such a... Uh, something that you could tell had been living rent-free in his head for years. Yeah, I mean, I, we do have to make make a note here that Dan Aykroyd did go on to receive the worst supporting actor, Razzie. Uh, yes. at the 12th uh, Golden Raspberry Awards, and, and probably for good reason. <laughs> the problem is, and this is, and not to just, I'm not trying to just lift a soundbite from critics, but it's it's really true. You neither laugh hard enough 
or get scared near enough to actually be able to classify the movie as one or the other. Ghostbusters has terrifying moments, especially as a kid, you know, when they turn into the dog and they're chasing people around. And I mean, their moment, I mean, the chair, the hands coming out of the chair, there are moments in Ghostbusters, even as an adult, it's kind of like, oh God, that's, can you imagine sitting there and this happening? People mm-hmm. going down a roller coaster and getting tossed into a into a meat grinder, uh, you know, it was still what like the a carnival ride. Was like a carnival ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you were still like, like you were laughing. We're not really laughing, but you were you were like, there's nothing terrifying about it. So there really well, it's wasn't a fun house. Terrifying. I mean, it's it's the old yeah. fun house. Like you're stuck in a wacky fun house with no escape and you're going to be put into the Mr. It was called Mr. Bone cutter bone stripper. Yeah. Sorry. was the name of the, uh, the, uh, roller coaster. So, and I, and this is where I think, this is where I think if I'm really going to break down some of the problems with it, you know, it's not just Chevy chase and Demi Moore performance. I think it's also in part the script. I mean, oh, they were supposed the to be, it was supposed to be these two as yuppies. The, the thought of what it was should have been great. These were supposed to be two very rich, very yuppie people that are on this thing that get thrown into this into this into this house that get thrown into mm. this ride, and and it was almost like it was written too soft. There wasn't enough yuppie, <laughs> you know, to right. to latch on to. You didn't hate them enough or like yeah. them enough, yeah, to really to really care. And then the the when they with the romance of it when they're trapped in the attic and she starts kissing him, it was so oh over God. the top. I thought she was playing him. I literally I did was too. like, I was Dude. waiting for my wife to turn to me and be like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, don't worry, she's playing him. And then they end up together. It's like, what? That was the weirdest, that was the weirdest aspect of it. Like, that scene went nowhere. I thought that was definitely, like, this is going to pay off somewhere. I had yep. no, that was so bizarre. And that also made me think of another thing I absolutely hated about this movie. Hate about this movie. <laughs> the lack of chemistry between Chevy Chase and Demi Moore was was palpable there was nothing between them on the screen there was i thought they didn't like too old for her he was way too old for her she (laughs) was way too pretty he was way too much of a a, a, like i i couldn't stand that they had zero chemistry like actors couldn't even fake a modicum of of chemistry and and liking each other previously on chat of the wild Good to know. Uh, I I, yeah. I wanted to use this time to impart some words of wisdom from Ezlo. Straighten up your hair once I'm gone. Uh, you got to style all over the ladies. Uh, la 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 are the words to his new hit single, Live Long, Love Long. And uh, also, he woke up from a dream where he forgot to study for the test. So, <laughs> Did he really say all those things? Yeah, yeah. These are all things that, that, I, <laughs> that I discussed, that he discussed with me. Magical. <laughs> Chat of the Wild, breaking down Zelda and Zelda-like games, one dungeon at a time. Wednesdays on the HyperX Podcast Network. Live long, love long, baby. <laughs> Introducing the new HyperX Cloud Stinger 2. The Stinger 2 is a refined evolution of the classic Cloud Stinger and keeps the fan favorite 90-degree rotating ear cups, comfortable memory foam cushions, 
and the swivel to mute microphone. It also features two years of DTS Headphone X activation for upgraded sound localization, all while keeping the great price of the original Stinger. That's right, get the new Cloud Stinger 2 for only 50 bucks. Now isn't that nice? Available online at Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart, and of course, HyperX.com. Hi, it's me, Jeremy Parrish, co-host of the Retronauts Podcast, the only video game history podcast that's been around so long, it's also a part of video game history. Every week, one of the motley rabble who hosts this show leads a deep dive into the past, whether it's to break down a classic franchise, learn more about a timeless game from its creator, or just wallow in nostalgia. Relive history with Retronauts, here on the HyperX Podcast Network. Okay, everybody remembers about the first draft of the original Ghostbusters script. Mm -hmm. Sounds like an awesome idea. Terribly unfilmable. They They are catching ghosts on page one. They are in the future. They are catching ghosts in space. That was Dan Aykroyd's original version, right? That, thank you. That was Dan Aykroyd on him on his own, and then Ivan Reitman comes along and ground and grounds it in realism. It says, "No, this is a going into business story. We are going to ground this in reality, so that by page thirty or forty, when the when the you first go on that first ghost busting mission, you are with them because Correct. you have laid out this foundation of realism." And okay, the original script of. Blues Brothers by Dan Aykroyd only was as big, according to John Landis, the director, was as big as a phone book. And every single member of the band had their own story, had their own mini movie within it. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is a road trip thing. Two brothers going on a road trip to save the orphanage. That's the film. And now we got Blues Brothers. This is what happens when you don't put in any restraint on a and a genius that is Dan Aykroyd. It pains yeah. me to throw shade this much shade on a Dan Aykroyd movie because I love Dan Aykroyd. I, he gave us Ghostbusters. He gave us so many great things, and he's a great actor and writer in his own right. But he needs to be reined in. He needs to have a Lorne Michaels at SNL say, no, this is how it's going to be. He needs to have a John Landis. He needs to have an Ivan Reitman. Direct that crazy creative energy into something that is is acceptable and digestible for the masses. And it didn't happen on this film. And this is one of the worst bombs in the history of film as a result. Um, pew, 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 Adam, <laughs> smart point. <laughs> it's about no, time. I- it's only been almost three full seasons. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean you're you are a hundred percent spot on. This is there are people that are fantastic at ideas. There are people that are fantastic at execution of ideas, and you know it's it's that's that's the sad thing. It's Dan Aykroyd has created and been a part of some of the best stuff of of our childhood. If if all of those other projects started in such outlandish f- fashion, he had the creative wherewithal. He had the love of the inner dimensions and ghosts and afterlife and horror and you know all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That is a hundred percent why nothing but trouble was either going to really work or really flop, and it flopped because you nailed the key words. Nothing grounded. There was nothing grounded in this movie and in the script and in the characters. There was nothing Nothing. around it that could make you either care, believe, 
take the journey? The studio let him do what he wanted. He had no... There was nobody on the set. And I think that... It's funny. Because you and I have talked so much on this show about how the studio always comes in and screws everything up. If there was ever an example of sometimes the studio <laughs> needs to step in and say... It's give nothing some but trouble. That's it's the movie. That's, this, is, this is where... No, you can't just give him forty million and say see in six months. But I want to go back to this thing because this is this is mind boggling to me. This movie, VUDU, forty thousand, almost five hundred, forty thousand five hundred reviews. It's got a four point one out of five rating. Amazon, seventy five going on seventy six hundred reviews, has a four and a half out of five star rating. Wow! I'm looking at these numbers. You know, even justwatch.com. I guess that one's, that, it's a 57%. Are they trying tw- to make you buy the film, though? Is it, is it a, is it, uh, these no, are user are, reviews. You these said. are user yeah. reviews. So, so that's what I understand. So did this, it, it flopped at the time and then HBO gave it a second life way back long time ago. And now, of course, with streaming mm. and with everything, it's everywhere. Uh, did this turn into, being better than what it was back in 91. It it tanked, critics tore it apart. It, it, and I can understand why, because it was a weird movie that really didn't know what it was. It wasn't scary enough and it wasn't funny enough. But has it taken on new life because of being so bad and people finding the, because we don't see Chevy Chase anymore. Now we haven't. Right. You haven't seen. You know, John Candy's sadly passed a long time ago. So, mm-hmm. can we go back and see this movie for what it tried to be? And is yeah. it a little bit more passable with time? I don't think so. I, I, I think it's just a garbage <laughs> film the whole way through. The explanation, though, is that there are people that study film. And there is something to be learned here. And there is something... It's not without merit in terms of there's nothing redeeming about it at all. There are redeeming qualities to this film, like the set design, like the gadgets, like the makeup. If you are... Like the, the whole funhouse aspect of it. The the two grandsons that are just disgusting are are very well done. I hate them. I never want to see this movie again. (laughs) I never want to see a picture of those guys again. But they they were extremely well done in terms of makeup. And just from a logistical standpoint, you know, Dan Aykroyd not only wrote this and starred in it, but he directed it. So he was wearing that makeup behind the monitor, behind the camera. He's he's wearing the old judge makeup, 106-year-old judge. He's wearing the deformed twin... Goonies guy mm-hmm. makeup. And so he's, you know, behind the camera in that outfit, in that makeup and doing this stuff. So there are redeeming qualities to this. I, I did my research after the fact. I watched the movie. I hated it. And then I wanted to see what other people were saying about it. It's been talked about a lot because it was such a flop. It is, it is it, it, we can't really undersell how big of a flop this was. This was a massive, massive, not just financial loss. There's been bigger financial losses than $35 million, right? But 
It had so many good things going for it, for it to th- fall this flat on its face. is It's a study in and of itself, and there is stuff for movie nerds, and horror movie nerds specifically, that they can appreciate enough of the visual feast to it. And I think those are the people that have seen it and have the that have taken the time to go and write a review about it. <laughs> and so I think that's artificially inflating the reviews that you're saying. Because there ain't no way this is 4.5 out of 5. There's no way. I I 100% agree with you there. As we wrap it up, we cannot get off this show without talking about the number one reason why we wanted to watch it in the first place. The only reason we know of this movie is because of Digital Underground. What did you think? Loved it. That made that that alone made this worth saying. Like that redeemed it, uh, and I it was very out of place, very, very strange. Yeah, and I will have you know that Dan Aykroyd had a nervous breakdown around this time because he was the writer, the director, and acting in two parts. One of which was the main villain, and the other of which had like eight hours of makeup he had to sit through while he's <laughs> directing and everything. So he had a nervous breakdown. So he wasn't there the day that Digital Underground shot. So it's a real shame. Really, that there's never a there's never a moment where they're on screen together. It's all shot reverse shot, which it would have been anyway. Well, yeah, but you might have had a payoff shot with Dan Aykroyd at least in the same frame. So as when he was Humpty playing the Hump. piano and doing all that kind of stuff, they weren't even there. <laughs> they, were they weren't gone. even there for that. Oh man, yeah, when he's playing the organ. And, Which and that part interest- that part was cringe to me. It was like really this this hundred and six year old is going to get up and play, you know, music that mimics what's really in the song as if he came up with it for Digital Underground. Pass was not good, uh, but but Shock G was great in it. Shock G was great, and it was awesome to see Humpty. I mean, we I I had seen I had seen that part on YouTube before. That's all I was familiar with with this movie was the quote unquote music video in the middle of this. Yeah. And so I had seen that, but it was interesting to see it in the context of the movie, which there basically was no context. No, not at all. There was, you could take this out of it and it wouldn't change the movie at all. What I loved about it, I think is because, I mean, as everyone knows, you know, Humpty, you know, was a character, you know, that Shock G portrayed. So if you notice in the movie after Shock G is done, they actually, when they put the camera back, it showed Humpty turning into camera as the new, as now the yes. alter ego. So it actually yep. it mimicked what he would do on stage, mm-hmm. going from one character to the other, rather than selling it just simply as, oh, they're all there together. And I, yeah. I appreciated, I appreciated Dan Aykroyd's ability to intelligently weave that into the story. And it was Dan Aykroyd that actually sought Digital Underground out, which I found to be very interesting and very cool. Because it wasn't just like the network or the uh, studio came along and was like, well, there's this new act. We'd like to get you. We'd like to get them in our movie. They're under the same umbrella, corporate umbrella. No, Dan Aykroyd sought out Digital Underground specifically for this part. And if I had to guess, I, I can't verify this, but my guess is... Dan Aykroyd was a huge fan of Humpty Hump and the fact that Shock G had this alternate ego 
with 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 a nose and his own style and cadence of his own. Yeah. Like a real living character and that he identified with that because of this alter ego that he had written for the judge and that he became. So yeah. I, I think that that is by far the coolest aspect of oh, nothing but trouble. A hundred percent. And I mean, it was great to see Tupac, you know, before he really was Tupac. It's not without redeeming qualities, specifically Digital Underground number one. Some of the production design and costumes and makeup and, and horror design was pretty good. Oh, John Candy, maybe a little bit. No, I can't even say it's worth saying for John Candy. Um, there's just, other than those two things that sort of make it worth watching, there's no, no, there's no reason to watch this. I will depart from all the other nerds that have done their show on this movie yeah. and say, well, it's worth watching just because of the amazing design and all this stuff. It's worth it's wa- worth watching to study one of the biggest flops in film history. No. Adam says it here, right here, right now. There is no reason to watch this movie. If you want to see Tupac, just watch that part on YouTube. Save yourself the trouble of watching nothing but trouble. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs>